Welcome to Coded Conversations from Snowbit International, the only podcast that focuses on all things Snowmed CT. If you're new to the space, Snowmed CT is a global clinical terminology used in healthcare and medicine. A standardized way to represent and encode most clinical information, Snowmed supports interoperability among disciplines, health systems, and countries globally. Our Coded Conversations podcast showcases Snowmed experts and guests as they explore the terminology topics that matter the most in digital health today. So let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to SnowMed's podcast, Coded Conversations. This is the next episode, and uh, you've got me, Rory Davidson, from SnowMed International, moderating. But here today, I'm joined by Will Hardman, who's an AI specialist at uh, an AI consultancy called Veritai. And we're going to be talking about the Entity Linking Challenge that was just recently launched by SnowMed International, uh, along with Veritai and two other partners. And so, welcome, Will. Thanks very much for joining today. Thanks, Rory. It's good to be here. Yeah, I think you're, you're becoming a regular in the Snowmed events, having moderated part of our AI symposium in Atlanta. So thank you again for taking the time. Not at all. You're getting too close to Snowmed. Be careful. <laughs> well, this is the topic today, that the Entity Linking Challenge is something very close to my heart. And so I'm really glad it's live. I'm really glad that there are so many participants and uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking it over with you. Yeah, excellent. And to give the listeners a little bit of a background about why we're here, this entity linking challenge was an idea that was floated at SNOMED about two years ago. And Will and I started talking back then about how we could do this, what were the ways to go about it, what are the different benefits and, op- and, and options to go through. And really, the, the reason for doing this entity linking challenge was to kind of show some of the things we talk about in SNOMED CT about how do we use uh, new technologies that fall under the AI banner and umbrella to benefit healthcare, improve healthcare data, and get SNOMED into the vast majority, you know, the vast ocean of unstructured healthcare data records that are out there. I mean, from your point of view, Will, I mean, you've been, we've been talking about this a long time. Where do you see this coming from? What's the problem that you think that we're going to solve with this? Well, a huge quantity of the world's healthcare data is unstructured clinical text. Yeah. And it's obvious why that is, is because it's very quick for, a, for example, a clinician or a nurse or somebody or a doctor to, to type up a set of notes quite quickly. But then there's a, a lot that you might want to do with that data once it's been captured. You might want to know what sort of diagnoses were made, um, what tests were performed on a patient, what symptoms were the patient showing, and how did they present, what medicines was the patient on. And all of that has to be laboriously extracted from a record by hand. And that's a job is called clinical coding. And it takes very skilled people a long time to learn how to do it reliably. And, and even when mm. they're very good at their job, it takes an awful long time for each note. And the result of that is that most clinical, unstructured clinical data remains just that, unstructured. We never get to use it for analytics, reporting, or machine learning. Mm. And so the, the question is, can you actually use the computer to figure out where the mentions of specific, well-defined clinical concepts are in this data and extract them automatically. Not only be a huge time saver, but it sort of sets the stage for all of the analytics and reporting and inference that you might want to do on that data downstream. You can imagine there's an awful lot of knowledge about health conditions and human Mm -hmm. health that's locked up in these records that's currently not available for analysis. So that's, that's at the root of this challenge, I think. 
Yeah, and I think this is one of the challenges we see globally with the rollout of Snowmade CT is we can see the benefits and, and we know the benefits of having these structured records. It's how do we get the structure in there? And I think this is really, as you say, where this this whole challenge is based in that end game and that aim and that objective. Yeah. And so in uh, machine learning, the, the, the techniques for extracting this coded information is called entity linking. Mm. And it's, it's a niche field, but it's a field that's been under study for a couple of decades. There are plenty mm. of approaches and, and models out there for doing this. Some of them, there are models that are in production and have been in production in hospitals across the world. They seem to be reasonably good, some of them. But mm. what there isn't is a really high-performance set of entity linking models out there in the public domain, well-trained, that can be ported to all the many, many use cases. And one of the reasons for that is that so much healthcare data is under lock and key. And mm. so it's very difficult for somebody who's into this field, interested in this field, to actually get hold of a data set. And that's one of the yeah. limiting factors at the moment. And again, I just echo that. I mean, we often get asked at Snowmid International, do you have access to patient records where you can do some of this type of you know, technical work? And, and, and we don't. We, we have access to no patient records and probably don't want to because of you know, privacy challenges and so on. And quite rightly, you know, patients' healthcare data should be kept under lock and key and not given yeah. to people to, to play with. And so one of the reasons, I think you had a very good point there about the, having things that are out in the open, having solutions that people can use anywhere. And that's one of the outcomes of this, this challenge as well, is to say, this is what people have used to submit into challenge. And here's the winners. And anything that's been done is done under open source, so it's available for anybody to use in other systems. So it's all part of that story of getting this stuff out to, to, to people who can use it in the most effective way, without with as few restrictions as we possibly can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can see three quite exciting outcomes from the challenge. Yeah. The first is that it, it's stimulating research into building mm. good open source entity linking models. It's introducing, perhaps introducing the field to people who haven't haven't built these things before, but also providing models and approaches that, that people can take on and further improve. So that would be one. Yeah. A second one would be that when you perform entity linking, you know, you've got a say an unstructured document and then you've got a target knowledge base. And you want to find the mentions of the concepts and tie them to the specific uh, concepts in the target knowledge base. And our target knowledge base here is obviously SNOMED CT. And yeah. so SNOMED CT is not just a list of clinical codes, of course, but it's a well-defined taxonomy with relationships within it. There's a lot of medical knowledge encoded inside the terminology. And so the mm -hmm. second benefit that we imagine accruing from this is teaching people who build entity linking models, how to extract knowledge from the target knowledge base and use that to help inform your selection of concepts, the way you, you yeah. detect and tie them. And the third one would be that, and this goes back to the point on data, because there wasn't a good data set that was publicly available, we had to create one and we've coded it with SNOMED CT. And after the competition, mm. this is going to be a resource available for the future. And that was actually one yeah. of the big surprises when we started, wasn't it? Was we looked for a good clinical database that had been well annotated and tied to SNOMED, <laughs> and we didn't. We find couldn't find one. one. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think, and that's. I think, mean, like you say, this is the, one of the great things about this project over the last few years. It's been the project that keeps on giving. In that, when we were looking through this, as as you were talking about, you know, annotation is the key thing to get. You know, to at least do some manual annotation, so we have some coded data. But to do that, we had to create annotation guidelines, which didn't really exist 
in the world of SNOMED. So you know, that's one of the outcomes of this project. And then we have this annotated data set, which you know, we believe is one of the largest publicly or openly, semi-openly available yeah. data sets that's encoded in SNOMED. So that will obviously be donated back to the community once the challenges is over. Yeah. Would you want to go a little bit into that data set, actually? That was an interesting back and forth trying to find the data and where we ended up in, long t- in the end. Yeah, so we ended up using a data set that is available but has not previously been annotated at scale. Mm-hmm. The data set is called Mimic4, and it's hosted by PhysioNet, which is a school that sits within MIT. And the data are provided by the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, which is in Boston, in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So under an agreement they have with MIT, they've provided several releases of data, Mimic 1, 2, 3, and 4. 4 is the latest one. And 4 contains not just patient records, but various other modalities of, of data as well, collected over about eight or nine years and then anonymized. And it's held, held, with it, held by PhysioNet on behalf of Beth Israel and provided to the research community. But what hadn't been done before, there's about a million discharge notes sitting within the Mimic 4 data set. What nobody had done before is taken a tranche of those and annotated them against a knowledge base for entity linking. And so what we did was we assembled an annotation team, took an extract of notes from Mimic 4, and we had the annotation team use a tool called MedCat, which was kindly provided by the Cogstack team at King's College London. And they annotated against the majority of SNOMED CT, so literally highlighting all of the terms and then saying which concept they thought they related to. And we did that over, in the end, 270-something notes. I mean, each note is somewhere between five and 10,000 characters long. And so we ended up with 70-something thousand annotations. That took a team of six working, I think, 15 to 20 hours a week, about two months weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So it's a non-trivial exercise. And that's not just having to do it once, but a large number of them you have to do twice and sometimes even Mm. three times where different annotators disagreed on the annotation. So we wanted to get the quality of the data set as high as possible, which meant we were looking for agreement on as many of the terms as possible. So we sent quite a few of the notes to to double annotation. Yeah. The the piece of work that keeps on giving is some some of the challenges of annotating with SNOMED CT. So again, it's one of these things that's at some CT, we talk about it. we know that people do it out in the world but we've never really eaten our own dog food as you say and basically we kind of you know saw how there are parts of part of the hierarchy that are a bit more difficult to use because of the not necessarily that the data in the taxonomy is correct is that the understanding of what the data means is a bit ambiguous between different coders and where they come from and backgrounds and, and lots of different reasons that play into that and yeah. so this is why we ended up being quite specific on the parts of the hierarchy and the stomach hierarchy that are being used and that ended up being clinical finding procedures anatomy and so yeah it, it is an interesting experience to see yes it's not quite as straightforward as, as sometimes you think you are so it's, it was good to, to learn from that point of view as well no exactly and, and a nice example of that would be you know, I've, I remember one annotation that was being debated over was in a, in a patient's record it's mentioned that the patient would have been sedated at some point and there was a d- discussion over, was this a finding that patient mm. had been sedated or was this the procedure that they were referring to? Yeah. And debate went on. And I don't think there was necessarily a right answer to it. No. Or, or if there was, we couldn't sufficiently delineate 
the rules for deciding between a procedure and a finding. So we had a kind of a tiebreaker rule eventually, which is that there's an order of precedence. If you really can't decide, you go for a finding and then you go for a procedure. Yeah, yeah. And it raises an interesting question of what actually happens in the real world, because we have the opportunity to have these six annotators who were from different countries around the world with different experiences and different backgrounds. But we were able to get them together once a week to discuss through some of these tiebreakers and some of these challenges. Now, what happens in the real world, you know, one person will put the procedure, one person will put the finding, and they won't necessarily meet together to discuss that because that's just, you know, part of the daily job and you kind of carry on. So obviously you've been working closely with some of the other partners. And we mentioned PhysioNet and, and they've been a great help and they've helped us get this up and running. And, you know, they're obviously very happy that we're going to be giving this back to them as part of the Mimic data, Mimic 4 data set afterwards. But have you got anything to say on, on themselves and also Driven Data who are kind of working on hosting stuff as well? Yeah, well, PhysioNet is a fantastic platform. And mm. I, I really would encourage anyone listening to this podcast who is interested in clinical data analytics, if they are not already signed up and have access to, to PhysioNet, I very much encourage them to do it. It's a fantastic repository. Yeah well curated by a very dedicated team who've put many years into this. Mm. It's a fantastic resource that's out there. And of course, our other partner in this is Driven Data, who are hosting the competition for us. And that's drivendata.org for anyone who wants to find out a little bit more. So they host uh, machine learning challenges, and they've been actually a great help. The scoring function in particular that we were going to use to score all of this, all of the participants' entries would have been far more complicated had I been allowed my way. <laughs> Luckily, they managed to talk me down and come up with something. They said, this will actually work and this will actually run and everyone will understand this. So, okay, great. I mean, we we announced the challenge at the Atlanta Expo that we had in, in the end of October. And we had quite a few people coming up to us and asking us about scoring because it is one of those areas that's a bit tricky with healthcare data and snowman, especially in this particular domain. So I think we've come up with a great a great scoring mechanism and you know, driven data have been key in helping us and guiding us through that minefield, I think it's fair to say. So uh, we've got some great things now. So, I mean, you know, thinking about the challenge itself, I mean, are there any specific rules that people need to be aware of? Obviously, there's training that's quite key for Mimic. But anything else you think of that's useful people to be aware of? Yes, there's a few particulars about this challenge. So I mentioned earlier that the Mimic data set, which we annotated, is held by MIT Hmm. within the PhysioNet platform. And their agreement with the Beth Israel Hospital is, even though the data are anonymized, there is a requirement that anyone who wants to access the data has to have their identity verified. And PhysioNet have got a very kind of quick process for, for doing this. So when you sign up, they will just check you are who you say you are. And if you're a researcher, they'll just check you've got an affiliation. And there are instructions on the challenge pages to, as to how to get signed up if you're doing it, particularly for the challenge and, and what to write in the various boxes so that they can identify, mm. uh, verify you pretty quickly. And then there's a piece of training you have to do, which takes about, I think, an hour and a half, something like that. And it's called specimens use or digital specimens use training. And that's really to ensure that you realize you're handling patient data that's about real people. And yeah. that there are some there are some guidelines and there are some principles that you need to adopt when you're working with this data. You need to be mm-hmm. cognizant of that all, all the time. And so that's that's their way of ensuring that you kind of understand the I guess the gravity and the importance of what you're working with. So those are those are two things that need to be completed before you can participate in the challenge. 
And the data, the notes themselves are hosted, are still remain on PhysioNet. And normally they'd be on the driven data platform. The whole data set will be uploaded there. But again, uh, PhysioNet are not allowed to release it and publish it elsewhere. So the annotation indexes are all up on driven data. And you'll submit your code into driven data. And that's where the leaderboard is. But the, the notes themselves, we just tell you, you know, these are the ones you need to fetch. And once you've got your PhysioNet sign in, you can pull them down pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's key to point out that the, the data that's being held on PhysioNet, whilst it's open, and, and there's a lot of detail, it is fully anonymized data, but like with everything, you know, anonymizes can only go so far. It, you can always extrapolate if you've really pushed it. So this is why there's always that, there's a security, not security, but like a safety confidentiality wrapper around it so that no patient data is compromised unnecessarily. But yeah, so I mean, one thing is interesting we've got at the moment, I mean, if I look on the leaderboards, at the moment, as of today, which is 17th, I think, of January, we've got 226 people joined, apparently, and there's 208 solo and nine teams. Are, are teams or, or individuals dealt with differently? Not in terms of scoring, no. it's You, you submit as a team, just a, as a group of people. Yeah. My sense for this challenge, and, and uh, we've just been putting together a blog post to yeah. sort of an entity linking 101. And my sense is that it's going to take a little while for people to get off the ground because with some challenges, you know, you might be given a, a tabular data set and then you, you throw it through a gradient boosting algorithm and you've got your first model and you can submit it. With mm. entity linking, there's a fair amount of processing and working with the data that you got to do and a fair amount of writing, writing the code. And certainly when I was writing the blog post, my first thought was, well, I'm just going to take uh, some boilerplate components that are often used in entity linking models, glue them together, and, and you know that'll be what we have. And yeah. it didn't work. So I had to put a fair <laughs> more th amount of thought into the building of the entity linking model than I thought I would have to. Yeah. And it's actually quite interesting. I can, I can go into in a second why I think it's slightly more difficult than, mm. than I expected. Yeah, go, go ahead. Well, so when we build an entity linking model, we, we've actually got two two components of a model that we've got to build. And the first one is clinical entity recognition. So that is a component which can read through a document and say, I think this, 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 and this are all probably clinical entities. And once you've done that and you've extracted that list, your second part is the linker. And the linker hmm. says, you thought this was a clinical entity. I think it's probably this one in SNOMED. And I'm going to tie the two together. Okay. Um, yeah. A lot of the data sets that exist out there um, for entity linking are really dealing with that second part. So they kind of extracted a bunch of what they think are mentions and then and the data set says, you know, link these to a knowledge base and then people will build their algorithms on that. It's much harder mm -hmm. if you try and do both bits together. Mm -hmm. And in particular, it's the clinical entity recognition. So yeah. that's a subset of what you might call named entity recognition, which is where you look for a document, you try and find all the names, people, places, things, that sort of thing. And they're often... I mean, it's not trivial, but they're easier to spot because, you know, the Eiffel Tower would be capitalized and it yeah. sits as, a, as an object normally in a sentence and, and a person might be a subject or might be an object. So with a bit of dependency parsing and some tricks looking for capitalization, you can probably locate these things and do a reasonable job. But our entities are not like that. So we might have a sentence where it says, and something, something, and was given this and that. And you're looking for noun phrases sometimes often not capitalized. You've got loads of abbreviations in there. You've got yeah. abbreviations you need to disambiguate. If I see ABD, that could be a behavioral disorder or yeah. it could be abdomen. 
and the clinician yes. could mean yeah. either thing. Now, the only way you're going to know is by what text surrounds it. And so you're, both your clinical entity recognizer, which is the hard bit, I th at least I found when building a model to get performant, and your linker have got to both account for this. They've got to account for the disambiguation and they've got to account for the fact that it's much harder to find these concepts. Yeah. The beauty about doing a challenge on this, the one of the reasons we went down this route is because it does, it, it's, it's less academic and it's more actually doing the stuff. And I think that's a really beneficial thing, especially once the challenge gets there and we announce the winner, then, I mean, apart from the winners sharing a prize pot of $25,000, which is you know not to be uh, laughed at, not too bad. But also it means that th this is stuff that other people can use. It shows how we can take these, these patient records, um, patient notes, and try and add this structure. It, it's a complicated world. I mean, there's very simplistic you know, NLP techniques that have been going on for years. And I think this anti-linking is, is really the next generation of this type of technology and approaches to doing this stuff. And this is really where you know, our sales pitch, the Snowman sales pitch, is Snowman's ideally place to do that, um, which is why I think this is really beneficial. Which I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm just aware of time. And where do, you, where do you see this going in the future? I mean, if, if we're looking outside the challenge from the point of view of the, the technology of the entity linking, I mean, how do you think that will sit in the next you know, one to two years of a, what is a rapidly evolving technology world at the moment in this particular domain? Yeah, well, I think, and you, you might not be surprised by the answer here, but I think large <laughs> language models are, are yeah. the transformational technology here. Yeah. So I use the word tradition. When when you hear a data scientist use the word traditional, it means anything before November 2022. That's which is when <laughs> ChatGPT was released. Yes. Traditionally, <laughs> when builds entity linking models, we'd use these things called encoders, which are transformers, yeah. but they they take text and they turn them into numbers. Okay, and then you measure yeah. how close the different sets of numbers are, and you use that to determine, you know, is this thing the same as this other thing? Are the numbers close? Yeah. And that's traditionally how they were made. One of the big questions is these decoder-only language models, which take text and then return new text, if you like, mm. what can they do for extracting entities from text? Because some of them are so large and so powerful now, they have a really deep understanding. I use it on yeah. understanding in air quotes here, which podcast listeners <laughs> can't see. They have a deep understanding <laughs> of the meaning of the text and potentially be very good at the named entity recognition part of this. Yeah, And also, you can do what's called retrieval augmented generation with these, hmm. which is where you not only ask the model, you know, where are the entities in this piece of text, but you say, by the way, um, here are some snippets from SNOMED that I think are going to be relevant to this. Hmm. This particular term is a this and a this and a this. I'm not going to try and dream one off the top <laughs> of my head, but let's stuff the context with some knowledge we think is going to be relevant to this. And they say, can you see any of those things in this yeah. document? Where might the references be? Can you start mm. to extract the entities like that? I think that's where we're going to see some progress. Hopefully, even within this competition, I'd like to, even if they're not state of the art, I would love to see some new ideas about how you use these decoder-based models on the, the entity recognition yeah. part. I think the linking part is easier. I think it's, that, it's the entity recognition part that's hard. Mm. Um, mm. So I, I, I do hope that's where we're going to see some, some the thinking being moved forwards a bit. As for what else in the future, I would love to see the data set that um, has been curated. I'd love to see us do another pass over that, maybe enlarge it, maybe correct some of the, the disagreements we have more systematically, and also perhaps to add some meta annotations. 
which are things yeah. like which concept is about the patient, which concept is negated, which concept is present in time versus past in time. These are all super important to, to coding something and making an inference about it. And they're tasks that yeah. we put to one side when we when we did the annotation projects. We, we wanted to just get the volume of annotations. Yeah, absolutely. It is the dawn of, well, it sounds like <laughs> such a cliche term, but it is kind of a dawn of new era in technology in, in what we can do with some of these technologies that are becoming available to us. And right now we're focusing on how do we get that structure into the data? Because once we've got that structure, that's when you can apply some of these technologies in the even cooler things about the analytics and, and the clinical pathways and how do you improve patient healthcare and patient outcomes. And that's kind of where we get into really exciting stuff. So I think we've probably covered our times up. I can see the time the time inside the wall. And so thanks very much, Will, for taking some time out of your day. Just to remind everybody who's listening in, the competition can be found at snowmed.drivendata.org. All the information is there, how to join, how to take part, how to submit, how to register. Look out for the blog post that will be appearing. I think we'll link off that page as well. Uh, the closing date for submissions is March the 5th at 11.59 UTC. And once we've done that, then you know, we'll do all the scoring and go through that process and winners will be announced to share part of that prize pool in April as Snowman International runs a business meeting in London. And I think we hope to announce the winners publicly there. So please do take part. I mean, we've got a lot of people taking part. The leaderboard's starting to fill out. It's quite interesting to see where that goes. So thank you very much, Will. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for inviting me to chat. No worries. Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Look out for the next episode. Bye. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to Coded Conversations. Drop us a note if you have ideas for our next podcast or if you're interested in joining the podcast crew. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to know when our next podcast is released. We'll talk to you next time.